Welcome back to the Railway Men podcast. They say football is a game of two halves, while this week has been a week of two halves for the Alex. Simon summed up Tuesday's performance at Sunderland, saying losing 1-0 playing like that is almost a positive, with our own Aaron Lewis saying that the first half felt very reminiscent of the later years in the Championship. There was also the need for perspective, with, I believe, Max from Emma's Ground Guide saying, it wasn't the performance we had come to expect, but 1-0 away to Sunderland isn't going to ruin our season. Following that disappointment, we travelled to Doncaster, who had just beaten Ipswich 4-1 and got a great result. Tim Green summed up his thoughts when he said, it wasn't pretty, but it was gutsy. We rode our luck at times, but great three points against a team who were flying. Jonathan Ditt agreed with that when he said, Massive win, resilient defending and quality goals. He then looked at the next week when he added, Next two games will be tough, but this will give us great confidence. James Blake also looked ahead to Tuesday night when he said he'd swap Dale for Powell and keep the same lineup. He also liked that they were finally making changes early and it worked well. <laughs> Hello, we're now truly in the thick of it with the games coming thick and fast. We've got two games to review in today's episode before moving on to preview two more tricky games coming up this week. As ever, we have our panel, so it seems like the best thing to do now is introduce them and then get on with the pod. First up on the panel today is Steve Davis. Hi, Steve. Steve, thanks for having me back. Not a problem. It has been a little while since you were last on. Um, were you confident before these two games that we would have had three points to talk about this week? Um, probably not. Um, certainly after Sunderland, well, on Tuesday night when I found out that Doncaster had put four past Ipswich. Um, yeah, wasn't expecting much, so it's nice to come on after a victory. Always true, yeah. Next up then is Tim Robinson. Hi, Tim. Hi, Tim. Now, Tim, you're most likely sitting on a big windfall coming your way from the cycling in Italy. Um, were you a little bit distracted during yesterday's game? I was, yeah. Um, I managed to uh, double screen it, so it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And uh, fingers crossed for uh, today's time trial. As far as I understand it, you just need both of the two leaders not to fall off. Effectively, yeah. Um, I had a couple of quid on... They're quite uh, unexpected um, winners if either of them wins, but one was 150 to one and one was 500 to one. So whichever one wins uh, should be on a tidy sum. Lovely. And that's all going back into the pods fund, is it? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Last up then is Steve Hatton. Hi, Steve. Hello, Stu. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Uh, it, again, it's been a little while since you were on here, um, but... When you're not being a podcast panellist, I believe you like to spend your time teaching, Steve. Sadly, yes, that's right. <laughs> so we're hopefully going to have a bit of time at the end of today's pod talking about Marcus Rashford and the work he's doing for Spielder and Free School that's Meals right. and the response to his work by the club. That's true, yeah? That's correct, yeah. We'll squeeze that in. Lovely. Before we get on to that then, we do have two football matches to talk about. Let's start with the one we all want to start with. Tuesday night, visit to Sunderland. Um, one change before kickoff, Ainley replaced by Finney. Uh, Steve Davis, we'll start with you. Was this a tactic that was designed to make the midfield a bit more rigid, perhaps stifle Sunderland? What do we think? Yeah, that was my initial thought when the, when the team was announced at six o'clock. Um, you generally think that if Finney's in there, um, it, it is to sort of tighten us up, if you were, almost like Paul Green last year. Um, but I don't think I was surprised to see him in the in the starting lineup. Um, now, I wrote down in my notes, first 20, 25 minutes, we were comfortable. We didn't really look like conceding, but we were nowhere near creating any ch chances ourselves. Is that what the impression you got, Tim? Yeah, I, I thought we, um, we were pretty poor, to be honest, in the game as a whole, um, all the way through. Um, it's been, I don't know, pretty much two years of brilliant football from Artel's crew. Um, very few bad games, very few missteps. I, th I thought we, I thought we were pretty poor, really. I mean, I actually thought we were awful. Um, in many ways, I thought it was a bit of a continuation of the Blackpool game, um, but without any moments of brilliance like we got for the for the goal from 
Pickering and Ainley and Kirk setting up that one for Mandron. We barely strung two passes together. Um, I, we couldn't keep the ball. We didn't press them. We just looked a bit overawed, to be honest. Didn't play our usual football at all. Hardly created a chance. But yeah, I thought, I thought it was pretty disappointing overall. But Steve, I noticed on Twitter you were um, not too complimentary about Perry NG's performance. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that you said it knocked a bit of money off his prize tag that game. Yeah, that, that left winger gave him a bit of a tough time. Yeah. And like uh, Morsi mentioned in the commentary, I thought he did, he did kind of pull it back in the last 15 minutes. He seemed to compose himself. But I just thought on an offensive front and a defensive front, he, he's just a bit below par. And I know we'll, we'll come to yesterday's game in due course, but I just felt that carried on into yesterday as well. I didn't think he was up to his, his normal high standards, personally. Do we think that's both fullbacks? Now, you just touched on about Perry against Doncaster. It would seem churlish of me to sit here and say Pickering didn't have a great game on Tuesday when we know what he did on um, Saturday. But did both fullbacks maybe not quite look up to the standard on Tuesday? Am I being a bit too critical there? I think, in, in fairness to the whole team, and I, and I said my initial thought after the game was, I think they were overawed. It's probably, apart from Murph, um, it's the first time a lot of them would have played in, I know it was empty, but a stadium like that. And I don't know whether that had an impact on them, but the, for 75 minutes, we generally looked scared, maybe the best word to use. Tim's right, we didn't get it down and pass it. Um, and I, <clears throat> The only player that I think covered himself in any glory was, was Ainley when he came on. The rest were were bang average, but I, I generally think they were they were scared and he played within themselves. So the Sunderland goal, when it did come, it came from the left. It was a cross. Are we blaming Luke Offord? Is that his first mistake in a crew shirt? Was it Steve Dale on the last pod? It was, yeah. Said that Luke Offord's never made a mistake. And then, lo and behold, podcast curse on goal. So is it Luke Offord's fault? What do we think? Or is there just nothing he can do with a cross like that? I don't think he had any choice, but I think White was right on his shoulder. I think if he hadn't done something, White would have put it in anyway. So I think it's the same outcome, just a different player. Another player I'd like to talk about um, with you is Charlie Kirk. Now, first half, I thought he had a great game in, um, in terms of the fact that we weren't creating much, but he was trying his best to get it going. He was doing all those things we talked about that he's added to his game, chasing back, winning tackles. Second half... He seemed to spend all of his time arguing with the referee, arguing with the other crew players, arguing with himself. Was that a bit of frustration about how the game was going? I don't know if anyone else picked up on that. Yeah, I think he got subbed in the end as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Which doesn't, doesn't tend to happen very often. I do just think, um, to go back to the game, I think it was, it was partly us being a bit overawed and not playing our game. But I think they'd done their homework as well and didn't give us a moment to play out from the back, which I think probably made us look worse than we are as well because they, they kept that pressure and that pressing up for 90 minutes where I thought they might drop off, but they kept it up. Um, and I guess Kirk just got frustrated because he's quite used to being in games and dominating possession. And he, he probably didn't really touch the ball that much in the second half, did he? Because we, we dropped deeper and deeper and were less and less of a threat. Yeah. And then if we talk about the other winger then, reading Twitter... Um, most people were calling for Finney to be subbed and Callum Ainley on. Steve, you've just mentioned that he's the only one that really comes out of this game with any praise. Graham McGarry had a different idea on Radio Stoke. He thought the first sub should be Daniel Powell replaced by Owen Dale. Dave Artel went with that one first. Are we a bit worried about Powell's form at the moment? Not so worried about his form. I, I, I don't necessarily think he's fully fit. Um, Yes, he hasn't had great games and, and maybe it's a big step up. But I'm not, for me personally, I'm not too concerned about his form. I think it will come. I just, I think he needs time. Um, yeah, and he's a difficult one, isn't he? Because um, I thought he was outstanding last year once he got going. Um, and I just think he, I think he needs game time um, to get back, in, get back into it. It's certainly for me, I, he's still my, in my starting 11 at the minute. So not replaced by Owen Dale yet, then? No, I'd prefer Powell and Dale. He does a lot more. Obviously, we love to see him go past people, but I think he helps us massively with his strength. Um, and certainly with the games coming up, you know, he is going to be a, a big help with an out ball. 
um, him and Mika. Um, you know, if, if we need to go long, not that we'd like to, he, he's obviously got the strength to hold the ball up. Okay. Tim, do you agree with that? It's still Powell's shirt. It's not Owen Dale's yet, even if he is a bit out of form, out of fitness. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's had um, his, his best couple of games, really. But my, and, and, and I'd agree with Steve that I don't think he looks fully fit. Um, I think it's more of a fitness than a form issue. And a run of games will probably help him. But to, to me, the, the biggest issue is he and Kirk and, and Mandron look isolated when our fullbacks don't get forward. And I think the way we've lined up in the, in the Sunderland game and the Blackpool game as well, to a certain extent, with an out-and-out sort of number 10, almost like a second striker, it means that our other two midfielders and our fullbacks are just far too deep. Um, and I, I think you can, you can draw a line separating the games where we've played well and the games where we've played poorly, not just this season, but going back over the last couple of years. And it's, the thing that differentiates it is how far forward do our fullbacks get? And in the games where our fullbacks are able to get right up, they're invariably the games where we hammer teams, or at least create a lot of chances. And the games where, like Blackpool primarily and, and Sunderland, where our fullbacks don't get forward at all, um, and especially when our midfield is, is deep as well, we just look very, very limited. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I don't think Powell, to come back to your question, I don't think Powell had, a, had his great game, but um, he got very little support down the right. And the same with Kirk. I don't think we saw Pickering overlap once in the Sunderland game. So is this a sense that we, we missed a big opportunity then? As I said um, last week, these are the games that we get promoted for, aren't they? This is, you know, the whole reason of being promoted is that we're going to the Stadium of Light rather than, I don't know, Stevenage or uh, Salford. Um, do we feel like we missed an opportunity to really put on a show then yesterday, uh, Tuesday rather? Yeah, I think, I think we probably got our tactics a little bit wrong. Um, but Sunderland were a very good team. Um, and, you know, you, you can't get too downheartened by a narrow defeat at teams like that, even though I, I, I would argue that we didn't play that well at all. Part of me wishes Tuesday that we would have had a go at them, um, you know, and, and pass the ball better and probably got beat 2 or 3-0 than just sort of being in the game. Yeah, it was, I suppose it's a positive that we're still in the game with like a minute or so to go. But I would love to see us have a go at teams like that and see, see, what, see what happens. I mean, you compare the performance yesterday to the performance away at Middlesbrough last season, you know, similar size club, similar stadium. Um, and we properly had a go at Middlesbrough and we got a result. We played brilliant and we, we, we caused some problems and we got a result. But against Sunderland, we just seemed to really go into our shell. I, I was quite disappointed. It was, a, it was a funny old game. It was a very strange game, I thought, because we had clearly been second best and they were better than us and they pressed us better. But in those last 10 minutes, I still thought we, we could get something out of this because they, they've missed all those chances and they looked a bit nervy. I mean, we didn't really create anything, but we had, the, we had the ball in and around their box. They just looked nervous. And, and I agree with what was said earlier. That if we'd had a go at them, we, we might have had more luck. But it was an, an odd game that we should have been battered out of sight, but we could have nabbed something right at the death. Yeah, and I think if we move on to Tuesday then... I think going to what Steve said earlier about Callum Ainley being the one player that came out of Tuesday with any, um, with any sort of sense of having a good game when he came off the bench, there was two changes to yesterday's team. Callum Ainley is probably not a surprise, but what may have been a surprise to most people, it was to me, was to see Luke Murphy um, taking a game out uh, and Tommy Lowry coming on. Were we surprised with that decision? For me, I wasn't surprised. I'd... I... I had a feeling all sort of uh, week or whatnot. We've got a lot of games coming up, haven't we? Um, as you alluded to before, and one area where we are sort of full of luxury, not luxury players, but yeah. We've got abundance we've of, got a of talent is midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the greatest respect to Murph, he's not getting any younger, is he? So you would have wanted to play him on Tuesday at the Stadium of Light, but if he was going to miss one, Doncaster away wasn't, wasn't a big surprise. I thought that midfield yesterday had, maybe it goes back to what Tim said, it had a much better balance. We didn't seem to have two people 
sitting. We seem to have um, wind tullers like the fulcrum and the other two, like we did last year, are a bit more mobile and able to get forward more and less reliant on that that kind of person playing in that one number 10 role, like Tim mentioned earlier. I just think having one person holding seemed to work much better. And that midfield yesterday was far more fluid than what we saw um, on Tuesday night when I thought Wintle and Murphy were both too, too static and just played too deep. I think I'd agree with you there, Steve. I said when we signed Murphy, I was fine with him coming back. I was happy, but I wasn't convinced it was a great signing. And then when he started playing, he's come back and he's played really, really well. But I would say yesterday's midfield was probably the most balanced. And also... Um, the closest we came to last season with Ryan Wintle in his favourite position and then the two playing off him rather than it being sort of a, a two and a one. It was a one and a two. Talking to Tommy Lowry then, the first 10 minutes, he was dropping in, getting the ball off the defence, starting all these attacks off. But his big moment came about 10 minutes in. Should we have had a penalty or was it a good thigh block? What did you think, Tim? It's, it's really difficult to tell. Um, I've looked at the replay of that incident a few times and I can't really tell whether it comes off his his hand or his thigh but the one thing for me is the reaction of all the players every every single crew player goes up um, and it, it's very rare you you see us you know appealing en masse for something unless it's absolutely blatant so just on the on the reaction of the players alone my instinct would be that it was it was a hand, so it, it presumably it would have been a penalty and a red card if the referee had seen it. Um, but yeah, that was that was really the best chance we created all game. Um, I, I, d- I don't really know how he didn't score. It was, you know, what was he, two, two yards out? Yeah, I mean, he um, volleyed it from, I'd say he was at least the six-yard box, maybe slightly back from that. But that even if it's a handball, you've got to be, you've got to be disappointed not to score that, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, give the defender a bit of credit, I suppose. Um, but yeah, if, if if the ref had seen it and he's off and it's a penalty, you know, we probably go on to win that game more comfortably than we did in the end. Yeah, after that, that sort of sparked Doncaster into a bit of life. The next 10, 15 minutes were mostly all Doncaster. They seemed to change their tactic where they decided to copy what Blackpool had done, copy what Sunderland had done, and press as much higher up in the pitch, forcing a bit of... Um, a bit of sloppy play from crew. I don't know if we agree with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree totally. They they clearly thought we can't let them have this roll this ball off in the back. So they're going to take us to pieces. So they just uh, stepped up and pushed up much more, just to try and cut that out. And and it worked to a certain extent because we struggled to get going. I thought the rest of the half. Yeah. So I mean, they looked absolutely nailed on. They were causing us to make mistakes. They were getting the ball high up in the pitch. They looked like they were going to open the scoring. So obviously, crew break away and they score the opener. Um, nice to see Charlie Kirk getting on the score sheet this for the first time this season. Can I say that goal has not had enough love? Because if you watch that move again, it is a fantastic move from our own half that just slices them apart. On the highlights, it only kind of picks it up halfway through, but I think Lowry picks up in his own half, feeds it to Ainley. It's a really, really great counter-attack that got overshadowed a little bit by the winner, I think. But the first goal to me was... was a thing of great beauty and a typical crew goal. Is there a possibility we're sort of becoming a bit complacent with those goals? Because that seems to be how we're scoring all of our goals. Um, getting the ball deep, breaking quickly, Ainley or Kirk feeds it into somebody else, they score the goal. Uh, last week it was Kirk crossing to Mandron after um, Ainley passing. This week it was Ainley, Kirk did it all himself. Are we just becoming so used to that being the crew way of scoring that we're failing to notice how good it is? I think the issue for me is that we we just over the last three games we haven't done it enough. We haven't created enough chances. That was that was. I mean, it was a, a good finish, but it was a, it was actually quite a difficult chance. He took it from you know he was quite wide, and there was only really one place he could put it. And I still think the, the keeper should have saved it. Um, but other other than that, we we created very little. But it was it was a cracking goal. But we you know we're not we're not going to score blinders every week like the one against Blackpool, like the one we. You know the two we scored yesterday. Um, other than the Lowry chance, we've we've not really created um, a decent opportunity. Now, another bit of a negative. Then, Crew don't really do this much anymore, but they did it yesterday. They scored, and they immediately conceded. How annoying was that, Steve? 
Um, I, I thought Perry was poor again. I thought he was beaten too easily. It was clear to me that guy was only going to go one way. He was looking to get inside. Um, you can look at the keeper, but I just think I think Perry made it far too easy for him. Um, it was a good bit of skill, but I just think he's got to get tighter and he's got to close and block that shot better than he did. Couldn't agree more with that, actually, Steve. You, you know, Sims had literally two minutes before caught inside on his right foot and almost scored, and Jaskolainen made an absolutely brilliant save to tip it around the post. And then he shows him inside again onto his right foot, where he's just shown that that's what he wants to do. I, I didn't think it was great. And I, I, no blame at all for Jaskolainen, for me, for that goal. Should Josh Sims be playing in this league? What's he doing? He's played in the Premier League for Southampton. Why has he not been able to secure a championship loan? I don't know, good player, though, isn't he? I thought they caused us a lot of problems down that left. Um, the midfielder. Um, Whiteman, is it? And um, the fullback James and yeah. Sims linked up all day long down that left, and we yeah, we did. looked we struck we struggled really um, to deal with him. A uh, bit of a tough week for Perry. Then it doesn't get any easier because he's got George Grant. I think he plays on the left for Lincoln, doesn't he? Yeah, and he's a decent player as well. I think he's already scored six or seven this season. Yeah, we'll be hearing from uh, Gary from the Lincoln Pod soon. But yeah, I, he did point him out as a start of the season that, to be one to watch. And he's certainly lived up to the hype. So second half then, uh, were you like me and the crew players? Were you convinced that that foul was in the area? I thought it was. Well, I thought it was on the line. Yeah, looked just on the line to me, I thought. I thought it was in the penalty area. And then I looked at the replay and I sort of see why the referee's given a free kick. In the end, though, doesn't really matter, does it, Steve? Not when you've got a player like that there. You know, I was looking at it and I wrote, I was, I was making some notes yesterday trying to be professional. <laughs> um, and, and as he was lining up, I'd written Pickering, good technically, will he score? And lo and behold, he did. Um, and I was fairly confident he would, actually. I was thinking, I remember a couple of years ago, we got one similar to that at Mansfield. Um, and I thought I could see him sticking this one in and, and lo and behold, he did. Good man. Yeah, uh, great finish. They should... Could have equalised straight away again, though. Um, switching off, uh, then number nine, his name escapes me, the one that Graham McGarry did uh, a brilliant job of pronouncing and was seemed surprised <laughs> he did it. Um, he should really have scored, shouldn't he, a couple of minutes after we scored that second? He was constantly shooting, wasn't he? He just wanted to get it, spin and shoot. And he's quite dangerous, I thought. Yeah, it was the one where through on goal, he, fairly open goal, just a tap in, but he's just skewed it just wide of the post. I think that's my, my I follow died for about six minutes, so I think I may have missed that bit. That doesn't sound right. I follow uh, issues. <laughs> I thought they had a better chance, actually, with the one that Jaskolainen saved at basically point blank range, just kind yeah. of threw himself. And that was, that was a brilliant save. Yeah, that was, uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Pete Morse, it might have been Graham McGarry, but they described it as a Premier League style save because he just sort of threw his body in the way of where he thought the ball was going. Because he didn't have time to react. It was more of a, a stopping it happening before it happened sort of save. But yeah, great save, that one. Okay, last thing for me then, for these two games, a little bit of a negative was Callum Ainley going off injured. Uh, has he done enough to start now if he is fit? How worried are we he won't be ready for Tuesday? I think if he's, if he's fit, he needs to start. Because to me, he offers, he offers more than, um, than Finney. And I don't really get the, you know, I mean, Finney offers a bit more security than Ainley, but let's be honest, he's he's not really that defensively minded. He's just a bit more defensively minded than Ainley. He's still not particularly that kind of midfielder who's really going to be winning tackles. He just offers it a little bit more than, than Callum Ainley. But I think if Ainley's fit, he's got to be in the team because he offers far more to me personally. So, Steve, I asked you at the start of the podcast um, if you'd have been happy with three points out of the six. You said, yep, Steve, Tim, are you in agreement? That's a good three, so a good return for the week with the fixtures we had. Yeah, definitely. Snap your hand off three points for them two games. Definitely. We, we've got poor records at both those grounds, so to get three points, I'm more than happy with. Just going back to the, the game, actually, yesterday, um, just going back to um, Jaskolainen, I genuinely think the difference between the two teams yesterday was the goalkeepers. Um I thought Jaskolainen was absolutely superb. I think that was possibly one of his best goal games for us. Um, he saved at least two very likely goals. 
he was calm and composed, claimed loads of crosses. And, you know, I, I think he was faultless for, for their goal. Whereas you look at, at their guy, um, I can't remember his name. He's he's on loan off Stoke. Yeah. Um, I believe well, he also, Yeah, that's him. Yeah. I think he takes their free kicks as well, apparently. But to me, like massive questions for both goals that we scored. If, if it had been the other way around and we'd conceded them two goals, I'd be asking loads of questions. Um, should have saved the first one, went down in an instalment, um, basically dived over it. And then the second one, he left such a massive... I mean, it was a brilliant goal by Pickering, but left such a massive hole at the front post. Um, he was stood so far towards his back post, which you would never do, I don't think, as a, as a keeper defending a free kick, even if your wall is there. Um, so, to me, like... Absolutely, Jaskolainen was the was the match winner for us, um, and the difference between the two teams. If you'd have swapped the two goalkeepers round, I think we'd have lost that game. Yeah, I did see uh, a couple of League One teams of the day. I think Jaskolainen was the goalkeeper for them, so I think you're spot on there, Tim. Now we're going to move away from the men's team, and it's time to check in now with the women's team, who were in action on Sunday against Tranmere Rovers. Okay, so um, I'm here with Beth Ragdale after a very good 4-1 victory for Crew against Tranmere. So we'll just start over with uh, what was your thoughts of the game? Yeah, I think we set off really well uh, and got three early goals, but then we took our foot off the gas and that was a bit frustrating. Uh, we could have finished them and got the heads down because they were, they were even arguing between themselves. Um, and it's good to get yeah, a win after not being able to train together and then coming back to the football is... Uh, yeah, really so good. You mentioned that not being able to train over this last week and also your, your little injury that you've had. Was was there any cobwebs there or you seem to come out firing on all cylinders? So? Uh, a bit rusty. There was a few a few uh, tackles I missed and um, yeah, a few bubbles that, that uh, I usually would have dealt with a lot better. But um, I think being able to come back and head the ball, I'm, I'm happy again. Brilliant. Well, congratulations for today. <laughs> nice. And hope you enjoy. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, we've two more games coming up this week then, starting with another tricky test. This time, it's the league leaders coming to Gresty Road. They've already been once in the League Cup. Now, this was the only game I wasn't able to watch this season. Thank you, uh, League Cup, and I follow international laws. So, Tim, can you tell me what I should be looking out for? Uh, it'd, be a, it'd be a tough game. Um, you know, the top of the league, I think, aren't they? Um... Yeah. They obviously, as you just said, they've already beaten us this season, albeit a pretty close match. Um, I think we've improved since then. I think they probably have too. Um, I, th- I think we said on the pod before we played them the first time, if, if we finish above them in the league this season, we'll be pretty happy. Um, now, now they're top of the league, I think uh, we'd definitely be pretty happy if we were above them in the league. But um, yeah, they've, they've got, they're solid. Appleton teams, they play good football. Obviously, they've got Jonah in midfield. Um, they've got that Jorge Grant on the left wing, as we've already mentioned. Um, I think it's yeah, George Grant, Tim. <laughs> Content with a draw in this game. But I, I, I just hope we play a bit with a bit more confidence and a bit more pizzazz after uh, a great win on, on, at the weekend. Um, but I, I, I think I'd definitely play Lowry again. To me, he, um, he gives that midfield balance. And um, yeah, a decent performance in the draw would do me. Steve Davis, are you in agreement Tommy Lowry starts? And then if so, who's going to miss out? I suppose the old saying is, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So you've got to start with the same team, obviously, with a lot of games coming thick and fast. Maybe that'll play into his hands, but I don't see... We're a better team with Lowry, you know, with Lowry in the middle of it. He makes us tick. Um, good as Wintel is, mopping everything up. If we're going to start passing a football, then Lowry's nine times out of ten is at the heart of it. Um, so for me, start. Unfortunately, in that case, it'd be Murphy that misses out. But yeah, I would start with uh, start with the same team as Saturday. Murphy had come in if Ainley's injured. Yeah, that's true. I was just going to say, just a, it's a quick one on Ainley. Really, I, I seen a tweet last night, and he's probably bang on. Ainley's probably actually better suited to this league than he is League Two. Um, gets a little bit more time on a ball. Um, obviously because he's such a good technical player uh, he can do a lot more damage whereas obviously in League League 2 he's quite, quite a quiet lad and he? I think he was scared of getting, getting kicked in the air 
So hopefully he can flourish in this league. Yeah, a few less donkeys, better pitches. Yeah. Okay. So Steve, would you agree with other Steve, Tommy Lowry to start, Murphy to miss out? I think so. I think that midfield yesterday had a bit of a better balance. We're playing at home. We needn't shut up shop and try and be too defensive. We know Lincoln have got good players and they've bought well, but we know that if we're on our day, we can be a match for them. I would just, I'd do the Powell-Dale swap. I think he, he needs matches. It's not out of form. He's a bit rusty. He's, he's had two in quick succession. I think you've got to give him a break. Start Dale, maybe bring Powell on to give him another run in the last half hour or so. Yeah, it definitely seems like that's one of those guaranteed subs that we can see in the uh, in this team at the moment, isn't it? Powell for Dale or Dale for Powell. Uh, pretty much like the Barkley and um, Kovacic a few years ago at Chelsea. You know that that's going to be a sub that happens at some point in the game. So maybe this time rotate it, put Dale in 60 minutes, Powell for 30. Yeah, he needs the minutes. Um, and I get we have to suffer him. I don't mean that in a horrible way, but we have to suffer him trying to get back to that sharpness. But... He's had two games in a week. Another Tuesday might be a bit much for him, so I'd, I'd give give Dale a run, the freshness of Dale from the off. Now, if you've been listening to us for a while, you may remember Gary from the Stacey West podcast. He was our first view from the opposition guest. He also had the honour of being the club mascot at Lincoln for a little while. I caught up with him again to discuss what's been a great start to the season for them. Hiya, Gary. Thanks for coming back on. Always a pleasure. Always. Now, as we heard uh, from your previous appearance, all about the Stacey West podcast, um, I don't think we need to go into that again, but you guys did hit a pretty big milestone recently, didn't you? We did, yes. We recorded our 100th podcast uh, this weekend, just gone. Um, so we, uh, we did a live show over Facebook and YouTube in the weeks leading up to it. The Stacey West readers uh, voted for their 100 greatest Lincoln City players of a generation. So obviously, I think it's crass to claim players are the greatest when there's been some that nobody have seen play. So we didn't want to label it as that. And then we did a, a live show. We had some um, some former Lincoln City stars pop along as well and uh, and offer their insights. Uh, it was good fun. Yeah, really enjoyed it. So looking forward to 200 now. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm not sure I would trust the panelists I get on to do a live show just yet. I'm not sure. Uh, well, we we can't be trusted. We had to agree before we went on air. Um, no swearing. Uh, right. but the worst thing was was actually trusting the Lincoln fans to vote for players because John Akindi made it into the top one hundred. Uh, and I genuinely think if I turned up in shorts and a uh, a shirt on match day, I could get a game ahead of him. So, <laughs> so moving on to the football, then it seems like this is a silly question to uh, to ask you. But how's the season going so far for Lincoln? Very, very well indeed. Um, and I think you know, at this moment in time, you only have to look at the table and see where we are, um, top of the pile, a point clear to, to kind of understand. I, I don't think that always tells uh, the full story, certainly not after eight games. You know, if, if we look at the table after 28 games and we're top, then I'll start talking about promotion. Um, you know, my first view, you know, my first uh, kind of goal is to get to to 40 odd points and once you're there you know that you know you're battling well towards safety and that may be pessimistic but I think when you're a club the size of Lincoln City competing in a division with the likes of Ipswich, Sunderland, Peterborough, Hull um, you know safety's got to be a priority. Uh, we're playing some fantastic football though we we had a blip we did get our first defeat of the season uh, last Saturday against Bristol Rovers or the Saturday before I beg your pardon um, but we've bounced back really well from it. And I think that's what's more promising than anything. You know, I think any team can have a good start, can put together three or four wins and, and kind of find themselves up there. But it's bouncing back from that first defeat. And obviously, we've just won two in a week, uh, scored three, two clean sheets uh, and beat Ipswich on Saturday. Yeah. And when we had you on, we talked about some of the players that you were hoping were going to have a good season. It seems that some of them are living up to the hype, no more so than your winger. Is George Grant? Yeah, definitely. I mean, Grant scored six goals, five are penalties, and one was a rebound from a penalty. I mean, we have had <laughs> a lot of penalties, um, but we're getting into the box. And I think if you get players with pace running at defenders, certainly defenders with the pace of Anciali yesterday, who's, who's incredibly slow, um, you tempt fouls so I think we've been lucky in that respect but you know George has got to to stand up and take them 
outside of that, he's been utterly phenomenal. Um, and you called him there a winger, which is probably how a lot of the football world see him. He does play on the left side of attack at times. But he's also played in the six and the eight role for us this season. And he's just got the sort of skills that could be utilised more or less anywhere. I mean, his passing has been phenomenal. I'm not waxing lyrical when I, when I say things like he's he's pinging 40, 50-yard passes about like a 25-year-old David Beckham often to feet. You know, if he keeps up the form that he's in at the moment, and there's no doubt whatsoever that the championship clubs are going to come and have a look at him in, in December because he's he's just turned his game around something something unbelievable. Okay. Is there anyone else we should be wary of on uh, Tuesday night? It sounds so very twee to say almost everybody, but we've just at the moment we appear to have quality throughout the first eleven and the and the bench as well. I mean, Brennan Johnson's an obvious shout. He's come on loan from uh, Nottingham Forest. He's started three games for us. He's won four penalties, scored a goal, he's assisted. Um, he's a real live wire. He gets on the ball and he will run directly at defenders. He will run at full-backs. He can play centrally, which he did yesterday, or he can play out wide as he did against Plymouth. Um, he's certainly looking like he's going to be a big player for us. Harry Anderson is an established Lincoln player. He's approaching 200 appearances. I think he's on 177 now. He gets better and better. He's only 12 years old and you know to have that many appearances at that age is almost crew like in my mind because obviously you guys have a reputation for bringing players through young developing them and, and then getting lots and lots of experience at a tender age and that's how Harry Anderson is you know all about Jonah and um, he's been phenomenal he's, he's improving with every game uh, he was popping up kind of in the channels yesterday out on the flank he pulls the strings in the middle of the park um, and I think those three in terms of creativity I'll bang up there. But again, across the back, Lewis Monsmer, I mean, we've got centre-half there, I think he's got five goals in all competitions. Every so often he goes on a, on a Maradona-like run um, from nowhere. We beat Blackpool 3-2 at their place. And he scored a goal that, that um, Dennis Burkham would have been proud of. He's, he's kind of chested it, juggled it over a player's head and then lashed it in with the opposite foot uh, for a centre-half. He's a, he's a frightening prospect as well. Okay, so a team full of confidence then. Absolutely. I know that doesn't bode well. And I said something very, very similar to Tom at Gascast uh, when I was on their podcast before the Bristol Rovers game and, and we limped to a 2-1 defeat. So, you know, you can, you can pour superlatives on a team, but football is an unpredictable game. And quite often you find that when you're in the best confidence, you're uh, probably at your weakest as well. So, um, you know, we're, we're under no illusions. There are no easy games at this level. Uh, and we're just going to take each game as it comes and, and see where it takes us. OK, so before I let you go, Gary, can you give us a prediction for Tuesday's game? Uh, I can. I am famously bad with my predictions. Uh, I'm actually going to go one all. Uh, kept an eye on you guys, a super result yesterday against an informed Doncaster side. Um, I said last time I was on, I'd, I've always liked the way that crew play football. Uh, I've liked David Artel, the way that he has slowly and steadily built a side up. Uh, and I think over the course of the season, you guys will establish yourselves as an upper um, mid-table or lower top half side. Uh, I think we would be happy to come away with a point. Um, we would like all three, but I think I'm going to go for one all. Okay, thanks, Gary. That is a perfect way to know your audience as well, who's going to be listening to this podcast uh, with those kind words about crew. <laughs> um, I'll let you go. Thank you for coming back on. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Now, if a game against top of the league wasn't enough for one week, how about a team who are currently sat in fourth place? Now, just like last season, Ipswich are having a bit of a wobble after a great start. Are we catching them at the right time, Steve Davis? Um, I mean, obviously, they've lost two on a bounce, um, and we'll be playing them after they play Tuesday. Um, last I heard about Ipswich is that they were struggling for strikers. They have no forwards, um, so I don't know if they've got, they got them back. But, I mean, it's another one of those games, isn't it, that... You know, A, if we were allowed to go, then we, we would have took a healthy following down there. Um, but it's one that we've, you know, we've got promoted for. It's, it's another big venue against a decent team as well. I think, you know, the lad Edwards on the wing has always been a threat um, for them. So it'll be, it will be a tough game. I think so. I think it's, it's probably a good time because uh, my, my sources tell me that um, they haven't got any strikers. There's a bit of contention over who should play centre-half because there's been a few errors there. 
And I think the natives, not that they'll be in the ground, but the natives are, are getting a bit restless because they obviously think the industry should be at the top, uh, steamrolling everyone, and it's not quite the case. So I think it's it's a good time to go. But I think it, ironically, one of those games where we stand a better chance if they had fans in the ground, because if they didn't break us down or if we were to snatch a goal, the atmosphere might turn quite toxic and quite poisonous towards Ipswich, but of course we've not got that. So I think it's another game where we would benefit from actually there being fans in an opposition ground because they, they might turn on their own players and make life a bit uncomfortable for them. But sadly, we haven't got that, uh, that luxury. The thing for Ipswich is I always think they're a bit like a kind of a big budget version of us. Um, you know, they generally play pretty nice stuff. They've generally got a number of homegrown players in the team. Um, I think um, Dazelle and Bishop have been there for quite a long time and it's, it's taken a while to find their feet, but they, they seem to be now. Um, and like us, I think they've got a relatively settled side that's been together for two or three years. So, um, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a nice club. It's a well-run club. Um, I, I always used to enjoy going to, to um, Portman Road in the championship days. Um, I think it'll be a really good test for us. And, um, yeah, um, another one where it'll be uh, quite nice to get it out of the way as well. So we have got another view from the opposition. Uh, this time it was the relative newbie to the podcast scene, Mark, from the ITFC Unrestricted podcast. Now, we recorded this, Mark and I, just after the final whistles on Saturday. So whilst I was obviously in a good mood, he was slightly more pessimistic following their defeat to Lincoln. Here's what he had to say. So I'm joined now by Mark. Mark, hiya. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for coming on. Now, um, before we get started talking about Ipswich, you're from the ITFC Unrestricted Podcast. Do you want to tell us a bit about pod? Yeah, um, I started it. I'm fairly new to the podcasting game, but it seems to be the popular thing at the minute. I I seem to hear it on the radio, especially the BBC radios. Every man and his dog's got a podcast nowadays, so I thought I might as well join join the crew. And We've got plenty of, of good ones at Ipswich Town as it is, but... I was previously part of Ipswich Fan Zone, so we were a YouTube channel. Uh, we did a podcast-style programme on a Thursday, as well as Match Day Vlog. So last year we went on the League One tour until it was abruptly stopped by uh, the, the C word. I won't mention that because yeah. we hear enough about that. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've gone out. We, we did rebrand and we were going to do... Um, every sort of football fan's dream go to as many games as possible see all the best players all the best teams across the world but once again uh travel plans are very restricted at the minute so i've decided to go unrestricted and do my very own ipswich town podcast so we started just before the start of this season uh learning a few bits i learned with my good friend ashley of ipswich fan zone um we're no longer going with that but um, Ashley's featured and helps me out from time to time on ITFC Unrestricted and yeah enjoying it so far up until the last well this week really <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's typical Ipswich folk storms as, as usual yeah let's go on to that then so as you've just touched on it's not been a great week for Ipswich how's the season been going so far until then and then what's happened this week surprisingly well um, I think we were all kind of dreading it especially even with pre-season I think we're we had a bit of a weird year last season. It was really quite baffling, really. We started exactly as we did this year, really well, not necessarily playing well. And I think that was quite a big factor in how it all unraveled in the end. But last season, we started really well. Um, You know, I think we were unbeaten for a, a good period of that. And then it all came crashing down. I think we made a lot of mistakes, particularly with our system. We didn't have a style of play really last year. We, came into the season with two informed strikers, which is Caden Jackson and James Norwood, neither who are fit at the minute to play. Um, good news so for fans. It is good, yeah, for you. Um, <laughs> they were both red hot, red hot form at the start of last season. I think Lambert felt he couldn't uh, not play both. Um, you know, he couldn't just play one of them. He had to play both of them. We usually lined up with a 4-3-3 when we got relegated from the championship. But... That changed to a four-four-two at the start of the season, and then after that, once we sort of had a few difficult results, we sort of chopped and changed not only our system but our players. And it was a really stuttering spell for Ipswich last season. And quite strangely, Paul Lambert managed to get a five-year contract on New Year's Day. So 
had quite a good Christmas by the sounds of things. But um, yeah, we were all a bit surprised by that. And we're all really surprised he's still here. But coming into this season, um, pre-season wasn't particularly great. We did get battered by both Spurs and West Ham. But I think Ipswich fans have got uh, very short memories. And I think we still think we can f- compete with the likes of Spurs and West Ham. But sadly, we are a League One club now. We probably have been for a little while fighting in the Championship when we were. We were nowhere near. We were slowly dropping down, dropping down each year. Um, so pre-season didn't start very well. Um, a lot of people didn't want Lambert at the club still. There's rumblings even on the week, like the eve of the new season, that he was going to go. Um, how true they were, I don't know. But started the season really well. We've seem to have had a change of heart or Lambert has up until this week uh, playing the same system keeping the same team with very few changes rewarding players for their good form um, and yeah it started really well We'd, up until Tuesday night we hadn't lost a game just dropping two points against MK Dons in our worst performance of the season um, that was a one-all draw but very comfortable wins, lots of clean sheets, lots of goals, none from our strikers though, which was, is a really odd thing to say as well. But yeah, this week is where it's all fallen apart and it's become a bit of deja vu, Groundhog Day, which is what we are used to as Ipswich Town fans. Uh, so we lost 4-1 to the team you beat uh, this weekend, which was yeah. Doncaster Rovers. And as we speak, um, we've just finished, lost 1-0 to... Lincoln City, which was a really poor game. And if you were to go through last season and put that Lincoln City in there, it wouldn't be out of place. It was a very last season performance from us. So, yeah, it's all started to unravel just as early as it did last year. But, yeah, I don't really know where we're heading at the minute. As much as we're flying high still, I don't know where we are exactly in the table. I've I've not looked. At, you only look when you win, don't you? You don't That's look true, at the yeah. table when you yeah, lose. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's unravelled a bit. So... Coming up to the game with you guys, obviously we've got a game in between there. It's going to be an interesting game and probably a good time for you to play us, really, especially, obviously, you've got our opponents from Saturday, Lincoln, in midweek. Yeah, it's an odd one. We seem to be playing everyone but the game behind you at the minute. Obviously, you've said Doncaster, yeah. who, um, as, we've just, uh, as we're speaking, crew have just finished uh, beating them away. Terrific result. We've got Lincoln on Tuesday, and then we sort of catch up with you and play you on Saturday. Um, now, you've just given us a really good um, summation there of some players. Who should we, who isn't currently injured, who should we be looking out for? What tactics do you expect Lambert to be playing? What should crew fans look out for? So, as I said, we played a 4-3-3 system in the Championship when Lambert first came in. Uh, that seems to have returned for this season. Uh, at least it has for now. Whether this week uh, puts a little seed in Lambert's mind and he's going to change things even further. But I don't think we will. It'll probably be personnel within that system. So it's very popular at the minute to play out from the back. So we seem to be doing that. And last this week has proven that we've got the wrong players in, in place for that. So Thomas Holy's in goal. He's six foot eight. Uh, so <laughs> absolute giant in goal. But probably he's not got good feet for a big man, as the, right. the footballing cliche goes. He may be dropped for David Cornell, who you may know from last season, playing for Northampton, he was. Right, yeah. Um, but in terms of players who are playing well at the minute, Gwion Edwards is on fire at the minute. He's had a little bit of an off week this week, but he, up until this point, he'd got five goals and contributing with assists as well. He'd been playing at right wing back in our three-five-two system. He's now playing as our left winger, where he ha- he's had all his success in his career. It's amazing what happens when you play a player in his right position. He starts playing well. Um, who else have we got that I can point out? It's really hard coming off the back of a peak to say who, who has been playing well, but... Um, I'd say the players that are better players are actually either not in the start in 11 or are, or are injured, which is probably good news for crew, fa- crew fans, especially yeah, off the back of this week. Yeah. The players you'd be looking out for if they were fit would be the likes of Flynn Downs, Caden Jackson, James Norwood. Uh, Flynn Downs is a, a battling midfielder, come through our academy, really good lad, uh, linked with a move to Crystal Palace in the summer. He, was, he got injured in that MK Dons draw. And then James Nord is a, a league, a lower league goal scorer. He's also out for quite a considerable period. So if we're going to pick players that are actually fit at the minute, um, alongside Gwion Edwards, I'd probably say Ollie Hawkins up front. So he's six foot five striker, signed from Portsmouth on a free transfer in the summer. Yeah. Um, 
he's got everything about him as a goal as a striker, apart from scoring goals. Um, he's, he's big, physical, wins headers, holds the ball up really well, really hard working. Um, just doesn't look like he's got a goal in him, but his play can actually bring others into the game. And if we can get players up and around him, we've got the likes of Jack Lancaster, who's another one of our academy graduates. He started against Lincoln for the first time uh, this season. He had been in in and out of the team in the 17-18 season before he got injured and missed the entirety of last season. Um, who else have we got that I can pick out? Andre Dazelle, another academy graduate. I'm sure we, crews are very much a hotbed for academy prospects yeah, as well, I isn't it? You bring a lot through we, as well. At the, this season, we're currently playing about eight or nine academy players in our 11. Wow, that's, that's really impressive. Four or five fair. on the bench, yeah. It's, uh, it's something we're proud of. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd say if you're able to press our backline well, unless that changes, I expect uh, Luke Wolfenden, yet another academy graduate, to come back in for Toto Enciala. He was... Toto had a funny career with Towns. He has to date. Um, came in under Paul Hurst. He was a favourite for him at Shrewsbury. This was when we were in the championship. Didn't make the grade in the championship, sadly. Always got a mistake in him. A um, bit like a sole bamber, if, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what that means. Can, can, can be solid, but it sometimes uh, has that mad minute which can cost you a game. So last season, we're expecting big things from him. He had a good year in League One when we signed him. Absolutely off the boil. Ended up going out on loan to Bolton Wanderers with all that was going on with them. So he comes back in this season, starts really well, albeit against probably some opposition where we weren't really tested. And I think we only had, in the opening five games, I think we'd only had three shots on target against us, which shows the kind of level of opposition that we were playing at the time. It started really well, but this week he's been completely shown up to be the player that we, we know, him, know him to be, unfortunately. So, yeah, um, if you can get up and at us, really, particularly because we like to try and play it out from the back, up through the midfield, and then uh, try and get into some dangerous areas going forward, that would really be your best avenue for attack. Our midfield's been known the last couple of games sort of going into their shells and losing that midfield battle. So once again, that's probably another area where you can look to exploit us and for you, hopefully have a good afternoon. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. We, we played you quite a few times in the early 2000s, didn't we? But yeah. um, it's been a while since we played crew and you've always got that reputation of bringing through good academy prospects, which is what we like to see. So it's going to be an interesting game for us as well. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you'll certainly see academy players uh, from crew, regardless of the team they put out. Uh, thanks for that, Mark. That was really, really informative, really in-depth. Uh, I've got a couple of things before I let you go. Um, yeah. Firstly, our friend of the pod, Luke, he makes a quiz for each team every week. So this week, obviously, crew versus Ipswich. Would you be okay. interested in taking part? Go on, then. I'd be rude not to. I do like yeah. a good quiz. But... Okay, five questions. It's just you against yourself. There's no prizes, but uh, yeah, see how you get on. Okay. The first question is multiple choice. It's the only multiple choice. Um, okay. Ipswich were formed in 1878, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. Crew followed one year later. When did these two teams first play each other competitively? Was it A, 1956, B, 1972, or C, 1997? You'd been quite a lower league team in my generation until you came up to, I think you did come up to the championship in the late 90s once again. I'm going to say the last one, 97. It was 1997, yeah. It was a nil-nil draw in October 97. So out of those uh, games since 1997, which team has had the upper hand in the competitive fixtures, Ipswich or Crew? See, it might be a bit before my time, not to show me age, but I think I've got to go with Ipswich, even just purely being an Ipswich Town fan. I've got to go I, with overwhelmingly it. Ipswich. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ten wins, three draws, three crew wins. Yeah, not bad. We'll take we'll make that eleven on set, next Saturday, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> um, how many goals were scored in the highest scoring game between the two clubs? This one I did go to. I went to, it was at Ipswich. It's the only time I've been to Portman Road and I was, this was the game I went to. We've had a, we have thumped you down at Portman Road, I believe, once. I'm going to say, so how many goals in total did you say? Yeah, how many goals total? Eight. It's 10. It was a 6-4 Ipswich win. 
I knew there was, it was we, I know we scored six. It's just how many you scored. That was yeah. the question. <laughs> it was, it was a, a, a strange old game. That one definitely got on my money's worth. Question four. When did we last play and what happened? It was a little, little while ago. I'm going to say 2005. Okay. What was the score? Three one Ipswich. Okay, it was twenty ten, so ten years ago. Oh, correct. It was, it was a, a League Cup game that Ipswich uh... won nearly an extra time. Okay, last question. Then we always try and focus on a player that's played for both teams today. Uh, Crew Academy legend David Wright. Now yeah. he played two hundred and eleven times for Crew after coming through the academy before playing one hundred and twenty games for Ipswich. But can yeah. you name two of his other clubs? Got he played for our local rivals, Colchester United. He did. Uh, that was towards the end of his career. I, believe, I think he became a coach towards the end of his time there yeah. as well. Um, he also played for Wigan Athletic, I believe. He did, yeah. The other teams I've got are Norwich, so he completed the set down there. Yeah. Um, Palace and Gillingham. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, uh, that was pretty good, Mark. Well done. I'm uh, happy with that. I thought I was after that first question. I didn't uh, know where we were going to go with that, but I'll take that. So I'll take, well, I got three, didn't I? Um, one, two. Yeah, yeah. Say three. Yeah. Yeah, you got the result right for the the last time we played, or the Ipswich win, anyway. Right. Lastly, Mark, before I let you go, can you give us a prediction for Saturday's game? Oh, the million dollar question. This one is, isn't it? Uh, I've got to be positive, um, despite this week. Um, I'll give you a goal, but I'll say we'll win 2-1. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, Thanks a lot for coming on. That was great. No problem. Prediction time then. Now, I'm not going to go through the entire table of all the panellists, but there's finally some good news for Steve Dale, who, after many weeks of trying, got a result correct. It was predicting crew to lose at Sunderland. Now, this was also echoed by Russ, so a PPG improvement for them. However, none of our panellists this week saw the Alex winning at the keep moat. So that means Steve is finally off his zero. He's now up to the heady heights of 0.2. Russ is just ahead with 0.42. And Neil is our new last place. He's now got two games, zero points so far. Now, you three are three who are nearer the top of the table. Tim, you are currently the leader with uh, an impressive 1.2 PPG. Steve, you're on 0.66, Steve Hatton that is, and Steve Davis, you're on one PPG point from one game. So let's see what you think of these games. We'll start with our current leader, Tim. What have you got for Lincoln? 2-1 defeat. Okay, Steve Hatton. Can I just take this moment to check, um, not being ultra competitive, but does my PPG include my correct score on the Blackpool podcast? Oh, I haven't added that in, Steve. I did say I would. Next time you're on, I believe that's next week, I'll have figured that out. Um, however, for the Lincoln game, I'm afraid I'm also going to go Crew 1, Lincoln 2. Okay. Steve Davis, got a different score for us? <laughs> Need a bit of positivity, don't we? Just won a game. Um, I'll go 1-1 one, one draw. That's positive, is it, Steve? <laughs> Top of the... <laughs> It'll be an improvement on what, we happened, what happened in the cup. Um, Fair play, yeah. That's good but, yeah. I will take 1-1. I will take one, one. All right, Steve, we'll stick with you then. How about Ipswich away on Saturday? Uh, wouldn't mind repeat the last time we were down there. Was it 6-4? Was it last time we played them in a, in a championship? Yeah, That'd be entertaining six, enough. Okay, yeah. 6-4. That isn't my prediction, though. That's what you go with. <laughs> yeah, we all know 6-4. That's it. That's, <laughs> in, that's written down. Um, I, I, I don't see anything other than a defeat. Um, I just hope that we give it a go and we, you know, we play some football, but I... If they've got some strikers, a 3-1 defeat. Okay. Uh, Steve Hatton, let's just go in reverse order. Ipswich nil, crew two. Great. That's what we want to hear. Tim? Tough test, decent side. Um, Ipswich nil, crew three. (laughs) (laughs) You're just giving everyone a chance to catch you up. Is that it, Tim? Ah, we'll win there easy. All right, fair enough. Uh, lastly then for me, something I didn't think that I'd be talking about when I started a football podcast, 
but it is something that I think we all in this podcast wanted to talk about. And that was just highlighting the recent work Marcus Rashford has done with the free school meal situation for children. It is half term now in the UK. Now, before we go any further, I think it is important to say that myself, Steve, Steve and Tim, we're all political people. Uh, I think that's fairly obvious if you look at any of uh, the tweets that we put out. Uh, I think everyone should be political. That's how a democracy works or should work. But this is not a political podcast. It's a football podcast. So we're not going to be throwing in our views on the current government and the job they're doing. Or at least that is what I've told the three of them before I said that okay to this segment. Steve, as I mentioned before, you're a teacher. The work being done by Marcus Rashford that's been jumped on by other people, businesses, including the Alex. How important do you think that is? I think it's a it's a fantastic cause. Um, I know from personal experience of where I work that you know there are issues and people have to go to food banks to feed themselves and things and anything that can be done to support people when they're not in that educational environment when they normally get their free school meals is is of huge benefit and hopefully I'm not gonna get my knuckles wrapped. But I remember way back in the summer when um, a certain uh, member of the cabinet put out that ridiculous comment about footballers need to get up there and, and do something. And they were a very, very easy target for the for people to give a kicking to then. But I think since then, um, Marcus Rashford and various other footballers, including their own Ash Westwood, have made that comment he made about footballers look rather silly. So you've just mentioned Ashley Westwood there, Steve. Um, the news broke this week that the club was going to um, help out in the crew area with... 100 meals, that's now, I believe, at 400. Um, the club's been criticised in the past for not doing the right thing in terms of um, its profile in the, in the community and also its presence on social media. But Steve Davis, this is just another step to show that they really are learning and now taking big steps to make sure they are doing the right thing. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's hard to talk about. I'm obviously talking about the politics side of it, but um, the club's done really well with this um, and fair play to, to two of the sponsors have joined in. I think, um, uh, forgive me, I don't, I don't know one of them, but the Rhino safety guys, um, they've obviously offered to, um, to jump on this as well, as well as West Ham club. So it's great. And it's, it's another step in the right direction, sort of PR wise. We shouldn't have to do it. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that the club and, um, the support of society have jumped on this is is good. You know, I've got a little boy who's seven and you know, to think that he'd go hungry is, is pretty horrific. So it's great that they're doing it for PR. Shouldn't have to be done, but fair play to all involved. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Tim, I'm going to give you two minutes to have your say, but please be aware I do uh, retain the right to cut out anything that goes over the agreed agreement. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best to stay on the the delicate tightrope um, that you've you've given us for this segment, um, and and not so I really think. Um, you know, I, I do feel that it is the responsibility of the state to provide a safety net for people that need it. Um, but that aside, Marcus Rashford's done an absolutely fantastic job, um, and I I reckon he's the uh, he's the prime minister in waiting of the independent Republic of Northern England. So um, fully <laughs> fully applaud it, Marcus and Ashley and, and the club and, and what they're doing to support kids that need food and the somalities cheers tim i think you um managed to sort of double speak your way around my rules there in the manner of a terrific politician so well done um before we let it go then sports personality of the year now if we're going to use the word personality correctly he's got to win it hasn't he this year it's uh, not too far away now but if you're looking at the sports personality what he's done this year i mean we're not a man united podcast we're far from that don't get me wrong but you can't help but applaud what he's done. Well, I, I live in Liverpool and every single Liverpool fan I've spoken to about this has been nothing but complimentary about Marcus Rashford. So when you get Liverpool fans saying how good Man United players are, you know that they're doing the right thing. Last little thing then today. Now, by the time you've listened to this, it may or may not have already happened, but Monday night, first round of the FA Cup. Tim's favourite <laughs> part of the year. Tim, tell me why that is. Yeah, I think, you know, the, uh, the, the first round of the Cups, um, the, the first round draw, um, it's Monday, 7-10, so this evening for most people listening to this, um, it's when you get the, the non-league 
teams, meeting the league teams. Normally, we'd be after a, a, a brilliant away trip to a non-league ground, although um, in recent history, we've lost quite a lot of them. But um, the added interest this year for me is that there's, there's nine non-elite teams left in the competition, so nine teams below the conference north and south level where spectators are allowed. So potentially, if we get one of those teams, although officially away fans won't be allowed to go, there is a small chance that you might be able to get hold of a ticket if you're very sneaky and very lucky. Um, I think Skelmersdale United are the lowest ranked team left in the tournament. Um, and the first Northwest County team to qualify since I think Newcastle Town did it in 96, 97. So um, they'd be the plum draw. And uh, Marine FC, one of my local teams, are, are still in it as well. So um, let's hope we can, uh, we can get a decent draw. Um, we're ball number 15. I'd like uh, a low-level, non-league team in the southeast where I can blow my way in as a home fan. Well, you've got Banbury, Canvey Island, Hayes and Yedding, Cray oh. Valley, Paper Mills FC and Malden and Tiptree in the south. Canvey Island, that would be fantastic. I'd do that. What a great away day that would be. What, what was the team that called Paper Mill? That's, that's who we need away. Cray was Valley, Cray... Paper Mills FC. That, that's who we need. That's who we want away from home. It'll be on a TV, a load of money. If you get any of those teams away from home, you're almost guaranteed to be on TV, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, FC United and Manchester are in it as well. All I hope for is that there's not another confusion with iFollow like there was with the League Cup and I can actually watch it. So that'll do us then for this week. Thank you to Steve, Steve and Tim for coming on. No problem. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers boys. Thank you, as, as ever, for listening. Again, little plea from me for you to keep engaging with us. By that, I mean liking, subscribing, telling friends, letting us know what you think of the game so we can uh, make this, as I've said before, a voice for all crew fans. We'll be back in a week's time to look back on Lincoln and Ipswich. Until then, goodbye. Dang, 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 ding, dong, ding, blue moon.